Do you feel like it's time to begin a new period of productivity, growth, and success in your life? It happens. It happens. And we just need the right motivation and the right teacher. Welcome to the Bees Presents Epic Visionary. No matter where you are in life, if you've made it or on the way up the ladder, this is for you. We're here to enlighten, discuss, inform, and question established points of view so that we can begin a period of new discovery and achieve those life-altering, amazing results. This is the Bees Presents Epic Visionary. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of The Bees Presents Epic Visionary. And as usual, we will be respectful of your time because as we know, time is the new currency. Time is the new currency. As always, remember that as we go through these episodes, we want to collect the dots before we can connect the dots. So as we go to go through this, if you see value in something, please write that down. Collect that dot, and then we will see about connecting those dots as we move forward. And once again, I am the bees, and everyone in the world has heard of me, and those that are yet to come will hear of me, because everyone has told the story about the birds and who the bees, and that was me. So in today's episode, though, what we're going to present and talk about is whose glasses are you looking through? Whose glasses are you looking through? So we begin with a question. So whose glasses are you looking through? Now, before we go into this today, I'm going to give you a, a little bit about a history in my in my way as well. And we're going to set the stage. And it, it starts with kind of where I started at the store that I'm in now. Right now, I work with Gerald Jones Volvo Subaru Volvo. And I've been there basically five years. So uh, I'm going to first tell you this quote. And then we're going to weave this in and out as we move forward through our time together, through this conversation, so to speak. So before I get into the story, the quote goes, giving opens the way for receiving, giving opens the way from receiving. Now, if you listen to the podcast before, uh, we talked about the posture of optimism. Again, Nelson Mandela talked about the uh, head looking toward the sun, feet moving forward, your shoulders back. And we talked about how you can see if someone was uh, optimistic. Now, the interesting thing about this is that we communicate and people kind of read body language. And that's a true big component of of how people perceive us or what they believe about us anyway. But the coolest thing is when you have a giving, if I'm giving someone some money, we're just going to say, I'm going to give you a dollar bill. So I'm going to give you a dollar. That means I have the dollar bill clutched in my hand and I have to extend my hand to whomever I'm giving that dollar to. The person that is going to receive that dollar typically has their arms outstretched and their palms up and open to receive the dollar bill. Now that there's a transfer, though, once I hand the person the dollar bill in order for them to receive it, I have to open my hand up. When I open my hand up, my palm comes up. They get the dollar by closing their hand and coming back. Now, once I give, that opens me up to receiving. That's a pretty cool little thought process when you think about it. And we'll weave that in. So opening or giving 
giving opens the way for receiving. So that's pretty cool. We're going to get back to that. Now, uh, we're going to say that I started on this journey where I am today five years ago. When I got to the store that I'm at, the whole deal was we were selling probably 70, 80 cars. I don't remember. Uh, obviously, the, the opportunity for me comes along uh, to grow the store and get me in a position to be where I want to be. Now, uh, if you listen to, again, the first podcast, it talks about me being the general manager. So this is truly my first general manager's job. And that means I got a lot to learn. I've got a lot to process. I've got a lot to really, really get down. And I've really, really got to put in a whole lot of effort. Okay. Now, before we go into that any deeper, let's talk about uh, efforts and, and money, right? So this is what we call the X factor. The X factor is a part of what is your return on your efforts and what are you trying to do, right? So with this uh, being said, typically when a person, uh, when people work for someone else, so to speak, you work on a job and you get paid X amount of dollars, right? Whatever that is. Typically your, your efforts to begin with, you have those entry level positions or whatever. So typically when you first start, your efforts don't have to be as high, but they also don't necessarily pay you as much. So your efforts are low and then your income may be low on the scale of whatever that is. Right. So so your efforts are not as heavy uh, typically and your incomes are, are lower re- relative to whatever job that is. So our goal or our aspirations tend to be I'm going to move from this and we're just going to use entry level positions. So to the next level. When you go to that next level, you get more responsibility. You get more money, but you get more responsibility. And now you got more responsibility means that you got to put more effort in. Now to go from the next plateau to get here, you want to go from this position of let's just go from being entry level to assistant manager. And then you want to go from assistant manager to manager. You go from there, you get the keys. They pay you more, but again, now you got to deal with the scheduling and all those other things that you did not have to deal with, but you get more money. So again, now you go from a manager to another manager, you got to move on up. But typically as you go up that ladder and your income increases, your, uh, your efforts also increase, generally speaking. Now, that's okay. And that's, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And if that's the, the path and that's cool. Now, what m- a lot of people would aspire to in most cases, regardless of whether you own it or you don't, or you work with someone else or you work for someone else. Most people, when they decide they want to go to work for themselves in some way, shape, form or fashion, they recognize that their efforts in the beginning will be extremely high and their return on their time or their return in terms of what they may make may not be as high because they have the ultimate goal later of being able to grow their business in such a way that they can also increase their their return or their income with the hopes usually of saying that in the end I will be able to work less and or not have to work as hard or work smarter, whatever that term is. And then I should see a higher return on my time based on money. So they want to understand that their efforts are high and their income is low. But the ultimate goal is that as their efforts per se decrease, their income still 
uh, grows and that with that income, then they can have more time off. They can do other things. So that's kind of the, the X factor that we're talking about. So now I submit to you that you can get that X factor in regardless of whether you're working for yourself or you're working from, for someone else, as long as you grow what you're talking about. So we'll get into the story and then we'll keep coming back to this so you can kind of get a grasp. So remember five years ago, Come to work at a store doing 70, 80 cars with the thought process of growing that store. I had a vision of doing that with the ultimate goal of selling more cars and in, in essence, making more income for the company because I can't get paid or I don't get paid if we're not making uh, a reasonable return or I don't make as much. So we, we understand that we the more cars we sell then. Pretty much the bottom line is the store should make more money than I should make more money. So with that being said, how do you do that? So when I first got to the store, I would be there at seven o'clock or seven thirty in the morning. We had a meeting at eight thirty in the morning and then I'd have to train my sales guys. And it's me and a couple other guys that have been there. And the store doesn't have many people, but we got to grow it. So with that being said, I have got to, uh, one, get them to believe in me. Two, I have to perform. Uh, I have to put a plan together. I have to look at who do I have working here. I have to decide on who's going to be able to work here. I have to change in some ways uh, what I, the way I'm built because I'm coming into a different organization. And I, when I came in, everyone kind of knew that I would probably be a little different than what they were accustomed to because I can be very assertive. I can be pretty... Um, dogmatic, I guess is what the, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but it's the word I choose. So with that being said, I can, I can do that. And I, and I can press people to perform at a pretty high level because I give, uh, what I expect because they can always look and see I'm here in the morning. I'm usually the last one to leave. I would be there and I might not leave to 10 o'clock. And then once I left at 10 o'clock, I'd come home and prepare for whatever that may be, because I recognize that my efforts really, really have to be high to do that. You get tired and you get worn down, but you know where you're hoping to go. That is cool. So you can put in those efforts. Now, the, the first plateau or the first goal that we had was to sell 100 cars. Now, when I first said that, people looked at me like I had three eyes. That has never been done at the store. This dude is tripping. He ain't going to never do that. We we're in this area. He can say what he want to say. You know, he comes from wherever the case may be. He worked at these stores, but it don't work that way here. So you have to deal with that. That's cool. But you can't get bogged down in that. You know where you're going to go. But how do you get there? So once you set that in, you show people that you know how to work and that you work. Then you go demonstrate. So I was able to do some things that they didn't think that I could do. They didn't think that this customer would, would buy this car and I would go help the customer take ownership of the car. And they're like, wow, okay. Then this customer, he ain't going to do this because he don't want to do that. So we go talk to him, figure something out, and and then we find a way to, to come to something that makes sense and they would buy a car. So then they begin to say, well, you know, I don't necessarily know if I like this dude, but he is pretty good at what he does and he can help me make money. Now, the interesting thing about that is that everybody who started with me five years ago, that's still with me today, 
every year since I've been there has sold more and they've made more in every department in the store. And that is because one, if people buy into what you see based on what you do, then you can get people to follow you. But you got to lead by example and show people that you do know what you're doing and then they will listen to you and they will respect you. Now, when you do that, then you earn the right to be able to put some things in place because they see that of what you're doing. So I put in a lot of effort to do that just to get there. Now, this journey didn't take place over a month. Uh, again, I'm five years in and we're we're doing extremely well and we moved a long way from where we were. Now, we didn't get to that hundred cars uh, until about two years or so in uh, three years or so in. But that's just a slow process of doing that. Now, once you kind of do that, you still recognize that in your mind's eye that you're only one person. So regardless of how good I am and they'll tell you and I'll tell you, I think I'm the greatest thing since life's bread, whether I am or not, at least that's the way I feel about it. So I, I try to carry myself in such a way that people look at me and say, well, I can trust this guy and he does what he says he's going to do. So now we start to grow from 70 to 80 cars to 80, 85, or from 70 to 80, 80, 85. And we're getting there. And, and now I don't have to work as hard per se. Uh, I'm working a little bit smarter because now I got people that are buying into my system and what's going on now. But the, the, the key to move from there to the next step is how can you grow this group? How can you grow this organization? So success is in the duplication or the multiplication. So what we're going to get here is what are the practical ways? Because everybody kind of tells you the concepts and you understand it. But when it comes to the rubber meeting the road, what is it that you actually have got to do to be able to accomplish what you want to accomplish through others? So it says, whose glasses are you looking through? Whose glasses are you looking through with the construct of saying that success is in the duplication and the multiplication? So it begins with where are you going to let things go and how are you going to do that? So whose glasses are you looking through means that you, first of all, have got to see the pictures in the other person's head. OK, see the pictures in the other person's head. So when I say that, I'm, I'm looking at the person that I'm sitting across, will that be a, a person that I'm trying to get on help make ownership of a of a car? Uh, is that a person that I'm looking to hire uh, or might come to work in this organization? But I need to know what are the pictures in their head? And I'll put it to you this way. What is it that they are looking for? What is it that they ultimately want? Do they want a job or do they want a career? If they want a career, what does success look like to them? It ain't about my success. It ain't about none of that. It's about what is it that they want if I look through their glasses? Because one person's idea of success might be 50 grand. Uh, a year and the other person might want to make 200 grand a year. So that level of success and who defines that is not me. It is them. So if, if they have the raw materials to do what I'm trying to teach and they can perform at a minimum level, then that's where we are. Now, if I understand what really drives them and what really motivates them, then that helps me direct the path of what I need to show them or lead them to get to what they want. 
you remember that you cannot reach down and pull people up. They have got to push you up if you are the leader. So in order for them to push you up, you've got to know what makes them tick and you got to know what satisfaction looks like to them because you may decide you want to be a workaholic all day, but some people don't want to work all day and all night. They're okay with taking less money for more time. Some people are driven solely by money. They might be there morning, noon, and night. Uh, and they don't really care about the time off. So everybody's looking at something different. It could be they don't want to work on the weekends or whatever that may be. Your job may require that. But again, what makes them tick? What? Why are they here? So the way that you really, really get in somebody's head and understand the pictures is pretty simple. Before you can know that you must first learn to ask questions. Now, when I go into training or talking and and the way that we've kind of grown our store is the fact that we we recognize that it's not about what it is about what I want, per se. But how do I get people to buy in to the culture of what we're doing? So the first thing I do is put on their glasses. Why is this person here? What is it they're looking to accomplish? What's the timeline on them? So once we figure all those things out and I ask the questions, the art of asking a question, this is critical. When you ask a question to anyone, it shows them that you care. And what most people want and desire, regardless of who we are, we want to feel wanted and cared for. And we want to feel safe with the fact of the that it's okay to ask questions as well. It's okay for them to be able to say certain things that if you have the dialogue that's open, then you create that exchange. So the art of asking questions. So asking a question is the first thing. And then what questions do you ask and how do you ask them? So if you learn how to ask the right question, you will get the right answers to tell you what the motivations are for that individual. And that is critical to them buying into you. You must first buy into them. Now, as an example of the importance of asking questions, I'm going to tell you about a story with me. And this has to do with when I when I got into business and then I was going to buy my first house. So I bought my house. It's a two story house, a little small house, but I bought buy a house. And at that time, you know, everybody was into um, which is still today, but everybody wants an alarm system. You remember you had your alarm system and, you know, you always had the little key fob and, you know, you always thought that was pretty cool. So I got my house and I decided that I want to get uh an alarm system. I think it was ADT or whoever. ADT was pretty big. So call them up. We talk a little bit. One of the first questions that the person asked me, am I on a crawl space or am I on a slab? And I said, well, I'm on a slab. He says, okay, well, if you're on a slab, we can put a contact. How many, you know, we look at the front door, the back door, and there's not a side door. So we can put a uh, contacts here. We put contacts on the back. I had it upstairs so we can put a motion sensor over here. So if somebody comes in and trying to go upstairs, it'll it'll trigger the alarm as well. So, OK, that's all right. So he did tell me whatever that is. And they're going to try to sign you up for. I don't remember what it was, maybe a year or two years. I don't remember. But nonetheless, they tell me that's what they would suggest. And then uh, there's some other ser- services they could offer from there. Glass breakage and all those things. So uh, a guy that was selling with me on the floor, he began to have his own business. So I called him up. He comes over, sits down with me, and he asked me a question. Are you on a slab or on a crawl space? I said, well, I'm on a slab. 
He says, okay, then you got entry point over here, entry point over here. We can put contacts on the front door, contacts on the back door. We'll put a motion sensor over here. Um, if they went up here, we could also put one up here if you chose to. But nonetheless, that's what I do. I'll give you a free I don't know, clicker or whatever you call it. Uh, I said, okay. Uh, I said, what about glass breakage and, and all those things? Do you Do you offer that? And he said, well, Beasley, I do offer that, but you know, typically you got a two story house and most people don't climb a ladder to come through the windows upstairs, unless you got a ladder up against your house. The chances that somebody's going to come through the windows in the upper part of your house are pretty slim to none. I said, okay, well that makes sense. And then he said, again, the statistics show that most people, when they break in a house, they come through a door. They don't really come through a window. I can do that and I'll give you anything that you want. Uh, Based on my experience, I don't necessarily see that that would be something that you would need. I said, "Okay, cool. Uh, Let me think about it. So a friend of mine then called me up and said, look, you need to meet this guy. He's great. He sells here. Don't do anything until you talk to him. I said, "Okay." Fair enough. So he comes over. We sit down and he tells me, uh, you know, you need a sensor over here. We need uh, a motion detector over here. Uh, I would suggest that you do glass breakage uh, on the windows. I suggest you do uh, the same thing for the windows up top. I would actually even put uh, put glass breakage in your in your back door here because it's glass and it's easy for them to to break the glass and open it up. And I said, "Mm, okay." so I knew very early on that he was not going to get my business. And the fundamental reason was because he didn't ask me a question. So I said, let me try this on for a size. I said, does it matter whether I am on a crawl space or on a slab? And he said, no, we can do it either way. If you're on a, or then he asked me if I'm on a crawl place, crawl space or a slab. And I said, I'm on a slab. He says, well, we can take it and we can run the wires through the ceiling and then we can bring it back down here. I said, so it doesn't make any difference. He says, well, no, cause we can do it. Now what he was going to do is, is do something what I call jicky jack. He was going jicky jack and Jerry rig something uh, that wasn't going to look good because his focus was on his pocketbook. His focus was not on me. He started babbling and talking and trying to sell me something while out ever asking me a question. So I'm not in a situation where I can tell you what you need to do. So I won't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm not that much of of a quote unquote guru so to tell you what you need to do but i would submit to you that if you are buying something or or interested in something and somebody's trying to sell you something if they do not ask you any questions then my suggestion is that you run because if they don't ask you anything they do not have your best interest at heart so remember that the art or the fact of asking a question tells the person subconsciously where your interest is if if you don't ask a person a question then your your focus is on you it's not on them and you cannot really get to where you want to be until you ask the right questions and find out what their motivations are so that's a big part of what i try to teach and that's a big part of what i try to make sure that i do is show focus so my glasses that i put on are their glasses they aren't my glasses 
I want to see the pictures in their head. And the only way that I can know what's in their head is to ask them so they can articulate to me what it is that drives them. And that is very, very critical. So remember that the first thing that you want to do is see the the pictures in their head. Now, once I figure out what that motivation is and I know what that is, then that helps me expand and I can get the person that's kind of like me that understands that now I can teach them to do the same things and I duplicate myself. So I I got a a young man that came to work with me and we can sit down and I know that he's doing things the way that I that I really, really like them done. I can ask him a question and I trust that he's going to do it the way that, that I like it done because he's demonstrated that. So now I've got another person that is very similar to me in skill set. I got a person that's very similar to me in drive and motivation. So I've got a, a, a duplication right here. Then if I ask my sales staff or whatever the case may be, and I know that this person wants to be a manager or a finance manager or wherever that is, I tell them what's necessary. I teach them the right things to do. I ask them the right questions based on what I know. They give me the right information and then I help them get to the next level. So this person takes over this finance manager's job and then they do a phenomenal job. So now I've got another duplication or multiplication over here. The people that are coming up can see that I do promote within or we do promote within. And we honor our commitments for those people that do that. I know what their motivations are. I also am smart enough to realize that everybody don't want that. I cannot make this guy who might be good at the job do finance if he does not have any motivation to do that. I'm wrong if I try to force that on him because he's not going to be the one to want to do that. I can't reach down and pull him up. All I can do is make a suggestion as long as he's doing the job the right way and he's comfortable with what his success is, as long as he meets that minimum standard, then we're good to go. So buyer uh, motivations of the people to create the culture that we need to do that. Put your put their glasses on. Make sure that you ask questions because the questions show them that you care and it gives you the information that tells you what you need to do to motivate them and how to motivate them. Now, Once you figure that out, you got to go to the next step. So the next step is what language are you speaking? What language are you speaking? So when you talk to someone, you talk to them, you got to make sure you give them the information in the way that they are going to process it and and utilize it. So if you ever heard of this, this is something we're going to talk about. So in in terms of once I figure that out, then I've also got to figure out or we've got to figure out or or I figure out. What is this person right here? What motivates them? How do they receive this information? That requires you to talk, spend time with them, understand their mannerisms, understand uh, what sets them off, understand what sends them in a, a, a hole and how you respond to them. So there are many different ways, but we'll come back to that maybe in another episode. But now I'm specifically going to talk about the VAT. What language are you talking about? So obviously we have five senses, right? And now the three that we're going to talk about is visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. Visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. Remember that it's about the other person, not you. So if we think that we know or I'm talking to someone in a way that they're not going to necessarily receive it, then I got to change my language. So again, another story or, or a skit or story, so to speak. 
uh, a person, not me, but a person like me, likes the Miami Dolphins, right? So they like the Miami Dolphins. It's a Monday night football. They're getting ready to pay the Patriots. So that person that loves the Miami Dolphins, not me, but somebody that looks like me anyway, that really, really likes the Miami Dolphins, is is all hyped up and geeked up on a Monday night because he's going to, to watch the ball game. But, or having said that, he still uh, thinks about his wife during the day and he loves his wife, so he wants to show her how much he loves her. Now, he is a very visual person. So the visual is what is it that I can have my wife see to know that that I love her. Now, he ain't thinking that deep, but that's just whatever it is. So a person that says, you see what I'm saying? Then that means that he could possibly be uh, more prone to the visual side of it. That's just an idea, so to speak. OK, so now he says, well, my baby's at work. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to order her some flowers. I wanted to get the big red roses with the big old balloons. And I want that big old bouquet so that when it goes to the job and they walk through there, everybody looks and sees these flowers that I sent my wife and my wife can sit here and see my flowers as well. And she'll know that I love her. That's wonderful. So the wife gets the flowers. She sees it and she's all excited and all giddy. So she goes to the house, gets everything ready. She's going to cook for you tonight. Wants to sit down with her baby and, and then just just snuggle up. So now you go home ready for the football game because it's going to come on. You've been working all day. Now you want to sit down, eat and what? Watch the game. So you sit down on the couch, you sit down on the, well, actually you come through the door as soon as soon as you hit the door. Now she's kinesthetic, which means she is very touchy feely. She wants to, to hold something. She wants to hug something. She wants to be close to you. You are a visual person and you've already sent her the flowers. So she comes to the door, you come through the door, go to the kitchen. And next thing you know, she's hugging your neck and you enjoying her hugging your neck and she's hugging your neck and you enjoying her hugging her, her neck. She's hugging your neck. And you're like, okay, now, all right, it's time to move on. I, I want to sit over here and watch the game. So you slowly peel her hands away and she goes back to finishing your dinner. You go sit down on the couch. So you on the couch. She's back here fixing dinner. You got everything up here. She brings you to dinner, sits down with you. Where does she sit? She's kinesthetic. She says, underneath you you're like cool i'm getting ready to watch the game so you got the game on you got your food in front of me she's all up under you so finally you say hey babe could you give me a little space uh could you slide down a little bit oh here we go here we go can you slide what you mean slide down well i mean i'm trying to watch the game well i mean you don't love me i mean i just want to sit with you what's the problem what there, there really ain't a problem babe i just really want to watch the game it well you don't you don't love me no more well what you mean i don't love you no more can't you see that i love you because i sent you those flowers that's over there them big beautiful flowers that are over there why would i send you them if i don't love you don't you see that well if you love me you will let me sit next to you and i should be under you so now the the craziest thing about that is is that both of you do love each other and you both care about each other in this time though you're speaking one language and this person is speaking another language now who is it incumbent upon to be the leader in that situation it 
I don't know. It depends on, I guess, whatever that is. But somebody has got to recognize that uh, I need to give a little bit here at some point in time. Now, the interesting thing is if the man in this case wants to be the leader and take control of that, he would have been better off to save his money and simply eat a bologna sandwich and have her come and sit next to him and watch the game. Everything would be hunky-dory. If the woman wanted to be that way or take the lead, then she should say, well, I understand that this is a big game. He likes that. So I'm going to just give him a hug and a kiss and give him his his dinner and let him watch the game or I'm going to watch it with him, but I'm going to be on the other end of the couch. So again, what language are you speaking to the person that you've already identified what motivates them? Now for me personally, uh, you can pretty much say what you want to say to me in the car business. We kind of grew up that way. As long as you don't call me out my name, you can be pretty direct with me. I'm okay with it. And I'll bounce back. And that's usually something that motivates me. Whereas if I'm talking to someone else or someone else talks to them, that other person may go in the tank because they can't take that same kind of conversation. So you got to be smart enough to recognize that everybody's different. And you have got to adapt what you do to each individual based on whose glasses did you look through? What language are you going to give? And you have to be able to change from person to person to be able to get the duplication and the buy in to create the culture that is necessary. So that's a whole lot of stuff, but it should make a lot of sense. Now, we were able to do that. So now we go from selling 70 cars to 80 cars to 85 cars. We went from saying, well, if you can sell, uh, you know, you get the 55, you get the 45 Volvo um, Subarus, then you're going to be, we're going to be all right. Then we got there, then it was 55, and then it just kept moving. So now the first time that we go to the 100 car market, it had never been done. We hit 100 cars, and everybody's like, wow, high-fiving and jumping up and down. Then we went from 100 to 110, then 120. So right now we're we're steady as, a, as a, the expectation is 130 cars or so. Now, I'm smart enough to know that if we continue the duplication, we'll get to 150 and maybe beyond that. So I've got a target out there in the near future before this year is out to find 150 units, assuming certain things go that way. But it's in the duplication. I am the, 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 the more we expand, the less control that I've got to have. So if you want to grow it, you've actually got to let it go. So if you're working for yourself, that's something that you want to look at. If you are in the organization and you want to grow your influence, then you've got to be able to duplicate yourself and you will also get that reward. And when you go up the ladder, then you you actually uh, lose control or give control up. So. It brings me to this concept of dependency, right? And I got this from Stephen Covey book, but there are three levels of dependency, which is dependent, which nobody wants to be. Everybody understands that if I'm dependent, then that simply means that uh, this person or this organization or whatever the case may be is in control of me. This institution is in control of me. I'm dependent on them to survive or to eat or whatever that may be. Most people don't want to be dependent. Most people aspire to be independent. I don't want nobody to help me. I don't want nobody to do nothing. I'll do it myself. And that's okay. Before you can move from dependent, before you can become independent, you are first dependent. So once you move from dependent to independent, 
every, uh, I can't say everybody, but a lot of people feel like I've made it. I'm good to go. I don't need nothing from nobody. That's okay. Yet and still, that is not the ultimate place that you want to be in terms of an organization that you run, in terms of your family, in terms of your social structure or whatever. What you want to get to is a point of interdependency. So when you've hired the right person or you put the proper glasses on, you learn that the focus that you need to do first is through them. You have actually given them something so that you can receive. So once you give them something, you are able to receive. Remember the quote, I give it to you. Oh, my hand up. You take it. Then I can receive something back. And it's the reciprocity I did for you. Then they come back and do for for you. So now that you've got that, now you can grow and expand. You can take your hands off the wheel a little bit because you know that that person that you hired for finance is doing it the way that you want it done. And you don't have to go micromanage them. You know that the, the guy that, that you that you set over here to run this particular department is going to do it the way that you do it because you have invested in them first. Now, your efforts can decrease or you can focus your energy somewhere else that actually makes it a little bit easier to get exponential growth. And now you start to 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 multiply that or it becomes exponential, so to speak. So now you're able to grow your business. You're able to grow your your sales or able to grow your income because it's in the duplication. Now, the last thought that I'm going to give you is number three here. It is your responsibility as a leader for people to understand what you are trying to say. It is your responsibility as a leader to get people to understand what you are saying. Now that again requires a whole lot of self-inspection and uh, openness about where you are. So this is the kind of language that you want to avoid. And if you hear this language, you know that the person or I or me or whoever that is, or the person that you're listening to. And if you're saying it, then you're wrong. But if you say, if you hear him say, I told him, I already told him. I told him he ought to do this. I told him. I told him. I just don't understand why he can't. I don't know why he don't want to come to work early. I come to work early. I don't know why he won't stay late because I stay late. This is what I did. I don't know. I told him. Well, if you are a true leader, first of all, recognize everybody's not like you, which we've already talked about. Everybody doesn't have the same motivations and so forth that you do. So did you do a good job putting their glasses on? But let's say that that their motivations or what they want is the same. If you are a leader, you got to be able to articulate what you want and they have got to understand what your vision is. So one, you've got to recognize how you disseminate information, which again goes back to what language are you speaking? You got to make sure that if 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 they feel like they're doing the job the way that you want them, but your expectations are something different, then you got to be able to communicate that in such a way that they understand that this is really what's going on. So how do you do that? You do that because once you talk about it, then you ask for clarification. Now, some people used to say that uh, silence yields consent. It does not. If you say something to your 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 group 
and you ask for feedback and then they don't say anything and you say, well, nobody said anything. I guess we understand that that does not mean that you got to follow up and you got to get them to verbalize that they do understand. And you got to get them to regurgitate it to you so that there's clarity on what that is. And once you do that, you will recognize that in some cases you're wrong. So once you open up those lines of communication, so what we have done at my store is to make things visible and we sit down and we talk about it. We have a a meeting every day that we kind of talk about the good, the bad and the ugly. We talk about what we did well. We talk about what we did do well. And I don't decapitate people per se if they uh, if if we make a mistake, but we open that up and we understand that we make it safe for people to have a difference of opinion. We can talk about it and we can move forward. And then we ask for clarity. Do you understand? Let me ask you this. Remember, the art of asking questions again shows that you care. So everything that weaves in this is we begin with asking a question. So, again, that's the next level. So the get down that we're going to talk about here that I want you to remember that sweet spot in the music or in the story in the stories that you have in the experiences that we have the get down is the port that you want to take and you want to play it over and over again. So now we've grown our store from 70 cars to now we're about 130. So if we do 100 cars or 110 cars, we feel like a failure. OK, depending upon what's going on out here. But we know that we're going to ball out. We're going to do that. We're going to do more than other people in the same circumstances, because what we say, we are dragon slayers, not sword makers. We go out here and we make things happen the right way by inspiring others to do what we want them to do. And we create a culture that 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 people buy into. And, and it's been working. And that's how we're going to go through that. So the get down that we have that you can duplicate is, first of all, number one, numero uno, shall I say? is see the pictures in the other person's head. Remember that. Always look at whose glasses you're putting on and put the other person's glasses on. Ask the right question and ask enough enough questions to figure out what motivates them and how you need to give it to them in such a way that they will, will utilize it. So see the pictures in the other person's head. Focus on them. The second thing is once you do that again is remember what language are you speaking? What language are you speaking? Are you speaking the language that they're going to resonate with and 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 internalize? If I give a person uh, just to give you an example, if somebody's buying a car and I give the visual person uh, uh, the, the paper or the contract, guess what they do? They read the whole thing. Now, if I got another person and I give them the contract and they're auditory, guess what? They're going to say, don't worry. Just tell me what you got. Just tell me what you got. I don't want to read all that. Just tell me what you got. If I'm dealing with a kinesthetic person, that person is probably going to take the paper, hold it, move around in the seat, wiggle around a little bit. They got to think about it. They want to pray on it. They want to. It just don't feel right in my gut or it does feel right in my gut. You know what I mean? So that person right there would be more kinesthetic. So, again, if you got to recognize the best way everybody reads, everybody listens. But the predominant way that they receive that information, they're going to internalize it is what I'm getting at. 
Okay, so again, make sure that you understand their different languages and understand that everybody's a little bit different and then give it to them in such a way that they will uh, internalize it and use that information. The last thing in the get down or the third thing in the get down is it is on you to get people to understand what you are saying which requires you again to uh, really, really think from a psychological el- uh, level, put on the other person's uh, glasses and see what's going on here. And then ask for clarity by asking the question, making sure they do understand asking for feedback and being open to what that feedback is and changing if necessary is a big part about what you have got to do to do that. So the three parts of the get down and this one is see the picture in the other person's mind, Make sure you're talking the right language and it is on you to get the person to understand what you're saying brings us full circle again. Well, before I go there, let me go here. So what is the epic that kind of transpired uh, in, in this this period of time in my life? Right. So the epic that for this episode is I must first see things through the other person's perspective before they will ever care about what I want. So just to internalize it and simplify it in just in, in those terms, I must first see things through the other person's perspective before they will ever care about what I want. Once I figured that out or, or actually just, just looked at it that way. And it helps me understand that I have always got to look from their perspective first And then I might be able to get what I want down the road. Again, the X factor, the job that I want to do is have my efforts high, understanding that my income potential at that particular point might not potential, but my income may be lower at that point. But if I do this over the course of time and I begin to duplicate and create the culture, then that gives me time to do other things and grow my store or grow my group or grow my organization exponentially because now we've multiplied uh, my leadership skills or whatever the case may be. And I got people buying in and now uh, we're at the position of we're well beyond a hundred cars. We're at 120, 130, 135 consistently with the fact of going to 150. And guess what? Once we get to 150, we're going to figure out how to do more than that. But we're going to crawl, walk, and then run. But that's where we are. I must first see things through the other person's perspective before I they will ever care about what I want. Full circle. The quote, giving opens the way for receiving. Giving opens the way from receiving. I hand them the money. Once they take it from my hand, their hands are outstretched, palms up. I turn the money over. My hands come open. I'm in a receiving mode. That is very, very nice quote that that you can see visually. And then as we started this whole process, whose glasses are you looking through? Whose glasses are you looking through? So I appreciate you all giving me your ear again, Bees Nation, and listening in. And hopefully you've collected some dots. And now you can collect those dots and maybe apply them or see what's going on in your own situation and uh, move forward. So if you want me, need me, call me, leave a comment, whatever the case may be. Send me some information. So next week we have a special guest and the topic next week is going to be why take a soil sample before building. 
Why take a soil sample before building? The guest will be Tim Beeling. He's the founder of Success Team. Tim Beeling, the the, uh, founder of Success Team, he will be with us next week to help us down that journey. Get excited. I know uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Remember that you can always hook up with me on uh, beesnetwork.com. We'll leave that to you in a little bit. So every Friday, every Friday, a new episode of Epic Visionary comes out. Go to beesnetwork.com, sign up, and then always look for those things there. But you can find us on any uh, avenue out there, Google Podcast and all those other things. So we distribute it all the way. I'm going to say again, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your ear. And again, we are hopefully that you got some good, insightful information from that. Until next time, go be great today. You've been listening to The Bees Presents Epic Visionary. The Bees is an executive manager that runs two successful automobile franchises. Having been in the business since 1995, he's hired, trained, and mentored other successful executive managers who run and lead sales teams. And now he sits down with people from all walks of life to reveal how they were able to see the need for change in their way of thinking and begin a new period of productivity, growth, and success in their life. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bees Network. Till next time.